I love watching cop shows. Uh, goodies, getting the bad guys, fixing the problems, the cases solved, all that kind of stuff in just 42 minutes. It's fantastic. But then there are times, uh, usually when I'm just kind of feeling the weight of the injustice and, and the brokenness of this world, that I get kind of to the end and I just see through the fairy tale. I see through the lie that that's even real and possible. Times like we're living in now with the invasion of the Ukraine and a war taking place. But it's not just out there, is it? There's the floods. People are not just losing lives, uh, homes and businesses, they're losing lives. And that's happening here and it's happening again. It's not floods, it seems like it's fires. And then, of course, there's the ongoing impact of COVID. When is normal going to come back? At the moment, we're seeing more people affected, at least locally, than we've ever had before in terms of going into isolation. There's lots going on out there, but then there's also the fact that we have each one of us in the room today or watching online, we have our own personal challenges, don't we? And while they might all be different, we all have them. We don't need a fairy tale. At that point in time, we need real hope. Real hope in the face of a broken world. And that's what Hebrews offers to us. Real hope. No fairy tale. Real hope. As we look to the face of Jesus. See, what we're seeing as we look at Hebrews or hear from Hebrews is that Jesus is better. You might ask, well, Better than what? Well, that's quite deliberate. It's meant to push us to think better than what? Well, Jesus is better in every way. So let's walk with him every day. Yes, that's the corny little line that I've got for today. But it's because it's memorable and it's real. Jesus is better in every single way that we could imagine. In all that we see on the news and in the world and you know, the water rushing past our house, hopefully not through our house, in the COVID, in isolation, in whatever's going on for us, Jesus is better in every single way. This, this book is such a timely book for us to be looking at. We weren't even supposed to at this time. We're supposed to come in three weeks, but I think God uh, not only has brought young Theo into the Hanbury's life, but he's brought Hebrews now for us to hear it because Jesus is better in every way. And so as we look at this book, not just today, but through this series, let's walk with him every day, no matter what's going on. It's a great encouragement to look to Jesus. So let's pray that we would hear God speak to us. And I'm actually, given our prayer series that we've just finished, I'm going to pray the great prayer in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. God of peace and our great shepherd, Lord Jesus, Equip each of us today with everything good for doing your will. And may you work in us what is pleasing to you through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So we're going to be looking today really at this theme, this theme of Jesus is better. 
We're going to do it two ways. One, we're going to take a step back from the book and ask some questions about it. And then the next bit, we're just going to look at these opening verses to see how they help us to see that Jesus is better. So firstly, let's ask some questions about the book called Hebrews. Firstly, who wrote it? Now, this is, these questions aren't just sort of academic. They're actually going to help us to understand this theme. So who wrote Hebrews? We don't know. There's been various different theories and people believed at various times, but right now we can't say for certain who it is. There's no introduction to this letter like you see with Paul or Peter, James or some of the Gospels. But what we do actually have, which is really helpful to us, is in chapter 2, verse 3. The writer says that this message was confirmed, that's the gospel message, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. What he's saying is, we heard the very message of Jesus, the truths of the gospel from the apostles, those who saw, heard, witnessed Jesus. And so that tells us he's a disciple, he's a follower of Jesus just like us. He's one of us. But he has such a love, a deep love and concern for his brothers and sisters in Christ like we should. And that's why he wrote the letter. In fact, in chapter 13, verse 22, as he brings it to a close, he says this, Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation. We'll come to that in a second. But he's saying, I want you to hear this. You need to hear this. He goes on in the rest of the verse to say, it's pretty brief. Now, at the end of 13 chapters, some may have felt that that was brief or not. But look, the point is, he's got this love and a concern for those he's writing to. This is not a letter of soft sympathy. Uh, like your grandma might have said, there, there, dearie, pat your hand. I'll get you a cup of tea, make you feel better. No, this is a word that strengthens faith. An important, timely word that comes with warnings. There are five warning passages in this letter. Clearly there's a need, there's an urgency that this person who wrote it felt for his brothers and sisters. But also there's wonderful encouragements as we go through this letter because whether it's warnings or encouragements, we, like they, need to be reminded that Jesus is better. Well, if we don't know who wrote it, who was it written to? Again, we don't know. It doesn't give us a city or a place. In fact, the title Hebrews was not original. Uh, see, when we read through the letter of Hebrews, we see there's a lot of references to the Old Testament. And so I think it's a, a, a good assumption that, yes, uh, the, the current Jews of the day were probably that primary, that first audience, but not just for them, clearly. It's the word of God. It's helpful for all people, Jews and Gentiles. But that's what meant that people kind of gave it that word or that title, Hebrews. Um, but you know what? While we don't know exactly who they are, thinking about who it was written to and what, where they were at is really helpful for us again. Because as we go through this letter, we're going to see that this is a group of Christians who were willing in the past to suffer, to suffer for Christ. In fact, some of them have lost their homes as well as other things, jobs and money and those sorts of things. 
but but there's a problem they have begun or at least some of them have begun to drift from jesus that's why there's these warning passages don't do it some of them have probably left the church some of them have might have already they sit there each week but they've started to leave maybe they're not serving on the roster anymore or they're not not connecting with people anymore or it's possible even that they're lingering they don't leave but they're just there but they're living a lie and even they know that there was a time when they were strong in faith but now they've begun to drift and that's when they and let's face it it's possible for anyone here in our church to either be left possibly if you're viewing online or you've started to leave and you may not even be aware of it but you've started to unconsciously make these choices or you're lingering we need to be reminded that jesus is better better than anything we might drift away to well finally we want to ask the question when was it written again this is actually really helpful for us to think about our theme sadly again we're not sure however what we can understand or kind of see here is that through the the hebrew book of hebrews the writer keeps referring to sacrifices continuing to be done at the temple well we know actually in ad 70 the romans leveled the temple they destroyed it so it's very likely that it's before that time why is that helpful and important because in a sad way it tells us that though they had started quite strong and this is very early after jesus death and resurrection already they have started to drift it does not take long that's why we need we need to be reminded that's why the writer of hebrews wanted to remind his brothers and sisters that he loved that jesus is better So let's have a look at these first couple of verses, first three verses, to see how even the opening reminds us and, and kind of gives us that sense of, yes, that's what this book is about. That's what we need to hear, that Jesus is better in every way. So let's walk with him every day. And the first thing we see is that the Son reveals God himself. That's the first reason why Jesus is better, because the Son reveals God himself. In fact, that's now the way to know God. Look with me at verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. So long ago, he's saying, and through hundreds and hundreds of years, God has spoken to his people. I think it's worth just stopping and, and remembering, marveling that our God speaks. He is a God who has revealed himself. We don't have to figure him out. We don't have to trust what some person in some weirdo cave came up with. No, our God has revealed himself. And he's done it to, the writer says, to our ancestors in the Old Testament. To the Israelites, God's chosen people then, through prophets, through those messages. Of God in various times and in various different ways 
God has been speaking to his people. Uh, take Isaiah the prophet. He had a message, but also when it talks about various ways, Isaiah was almost naked for three years to demonstrate to the people what judgment was going to be upon them. And likewise, Jeremiah, he wore a yoke of, that the ox would take on to say that they're going to end up in slavery. Or Hosea, the prophet who was told to marry a prostitute who was unfaithful to him to show quite graphically the way that Israel, God's people, were unfaithful to him. And finally, Ezekiel, who did a bunch of different things, but one was he, he shaved himself with a sword. God spoke to his people at many times and in various ways, but look at verse 2 with me. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Jesus is God's final word. That's why Jesus is better. And what we mean by that is that God's revelation of himself, yes, has been progressive. It has progressed over time, but that doesn't mean that when we look at the Old Testament, we go, well, that's less true or less worthy. And, and the New Testament, that's more true, more. That's not what it means. It means what, well, what verses 1 and 2 are getting at is that we have moved from God promising through to its fulfillment in Jesus. We have gone from the servants to the Son. Because the Son can reveal God like no other. In fact, that's why there is no new message after Jesus. He is the last word in the last days. We read that expression in verse 2 there. And what it's talking about these last days isn't just the end. It's actually from the moment of Jesus' birth, death, resurrection and ascension, we have begun the last days until he returns. Jesus is the final word the full word, all that we need in those days, in these days, while we wait for his return. Because God has spoken to us through his son. That's so important. Because it's not just some words, it's a person. This is personal. As we come to see God through his son, through Jesus' actions and attitudes, his words and the wonders he performed, the son reveals God to us. In 1995, Joan Osborne sung a song that's pretty famous, What If God Was One of Us? You might remember it. There's one line that's always struck out to me. It says this, If God had a face, what would it look like? writer of Hebrews would say, Jesus. But then it's the next line. And would you want to see, would you want to see that face if seeing meant that you would have to believe in things like heaven and in Jesus and the saints and the prophets? It's really a helpful question, isn't it? If seeing meant that you would be left in no doubt, you would just have to believe, would you want to? Do we want to? I think we do. And that's the wonderful, powerful thing about this book of Hebrews. It, it's saying, 
Jesus the Son reveals God in a way that no one else and nothing else can. And in fact, we've got six truths that come in these next couple of verses, the next couple of lines, to show us that Jesus is God's greatness. Jesus is the greatest revelation. Jesus is better. Look with me, verse 2. It says, saying, after he has revealed, he has spoken to us, verse, he's appointed the heir of all things. How do we see God? Well, because Jesus inherits the people he died for. He is our King, our Lord. And we see Jesus as he leads us, and that reveals God to us. We see him do that. We belong to him. But he also is the one who made the universe. As we look around, we see the world in which we live that Jesus made. God created it, we're told in Genesis 1, with just words. And then we come to John 1's account of Jesus' life and we're told he is the word. And here in Hebrews, he made everything. We see our maker and our creator in Christ. Verse 3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. That's incredible. That is huge. Uh, Peter Adam, in, in this commentary, and I believe you can borrow it from the library, it's, it's a really helpful one, uh, very accessible. He explains this verse really well. I'm just going to quote him. God's graceness and majesty shines through his Son. Which means Jesus is how we receive God's character, how we receive God's blessings, how we receive God's presence when we see and behold Jesus. And then we read, it's Jesus who's sustaining all things by his powerful word. Not only did he create, but he sustains everything. The waves keep coming. The widows who are cared for, those who are suffering in wars, are all sustained by his powerful word. The sun reveals God to us. Just like a child will often show something of the parents, even if you don't know or aren't seeing the, the parent themselves, you look at the kid and you can see. And not just by appearance, sometimes it's how they act and what they say. <clears throat> I remember once when we were working as a family out in the garden and I was having some trouble as a young fella with a shovel and I said, damn it! And um, my mum jumped on me straight, Robert, we don't speak like that. And I said, well, that's what dad says all the time. My mother said, Walter! And off she went. Everybody was getting called by their first names. Kids reveal their parents and both the son, it is a perfect perfect revelation of God himself, better than anything or anyone else. And we see this so clearly as the sun removes the barrier, that removes the barrier to knowing God. That's the barrier of sin. And you might have been wondering, why on earth did we read that passage in Leviticus? Well, there's a lot of Leviticus that we, and other parts like that, that we kind of get picked up in Hebrews, but we see this particularly here, even at the beginning. Because through Hebrews, sin is a barrier. 
It's that stain and that stink on our souls without Jesus. And in Leviticus, you go through that. That's why they had to go through all that. That's why blood had to be spilled for the purification, that washing away of guilt, that stain and stink. And let's face it, if we're honest with ourselves, if we look into ourselves, our thoughts and our feelings, they're not always good. They're not loving, let alone godly. There are absolutely things we would never want to show or share with others, aren't they? We're a little bit like a wheelie bin. You know, you can, they all look kind of nice and clean on the outside, don't they? But you open that up and whoo, there's some stains and a stink in there. And it doesn't matter what we do. We cannot get rid of that until Jesus. That's why verse 3 is so wonderful. We see God when we see Jesus provided purifications for sins. We can be washed clean. That soul surgery that was needed can be done by Jesus. And when you put your trust in him, it is done. You are now purified. The barrier is removed when we trust in Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. For us, and, and Hebrews will talk a lot about this. But the point is here, it's saying Jesus did that so that we could have that new life, that new relationship with God. And we can be absolutely confident in that because he provided complete satisfaction. You see, after he had provided purification for sins, what did he do? It tells us he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. That's not just simply saying that Jesus rules. He does, and that is a wonderful thing. But it's also helping us to see that Christ has done it all. He has paid the price. His sacrifice was once for all. Another theme that we're going to see again and again in Hebrews. Because what's unique about the Christian faith is our God of grace that Jesus shows us at the cross. That guilt is gone, washed away. This barrier, this seemingly impossible barrier has been crossed. Um, right here with this device, I can cross a barrier, you can cross a barrier that up until, you know, our, probably all of our living memories, except for maybe a few up the back, the, the youth, you could never call and see someone on the other side of the world in an instant. I can remember a time when that was back to the future. That was in the comics. That's, that's where it was seemingly impossible to do. And now, with a couple of taps, we can seemingly cross an impossible barrier. Well, Jesus, Jesus has done that. In our relationship with God, he has removed the stain of sin so that we can have life with him. Jesus is better. He really is. We're not to, we don't look elsewhere. We don't look for more because as we see today, the son is God's final word. And this is the, kind of the key point I want us to take home today. 
Jesus is better because he is God's final word. What does that mean for us? Well, the Hebrews, they were under pressure. They were tempted to, to go back to the old way, the old way that was comfortable and less costly. Just like we as Christians today can be tempted to look at other things than Jesus. You might be feeling like the fire in your, your faith is going out, possibly gone out. Or you might be looking around feeling like nobody else is on fire like me. And that can lead, either of those things can lead to looking to, to new things, things other than Jesus. Or even a new Jesus, that new latest fad. Or maybe that special spiritual experience or that spiritual power that seems to be not just Jesus, something extra that will make a difference. We're going to hear, as we've heard today, that there isn't anything better than Jesus. He is God's final word. That temptation to look, to, to drift, to move away from Christ, it can look even spiritual or Christian. Just like the Hebrews, they were tempted to go back to old religion. We might be tempted to look to a new church or a new preacher, especially, man, online. There are so many different things that you could be looking for to find that new version of Jesus or that new thing. But instead, today, we have been reminded in just a few verses to seek Jesus' face. The sun is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact representation of his being. It doesn't get any better. When we see Jesus, we see God. Just think about that idea of the radiance of God. That's to behold in the face of Jesus the beauty, the wonder, the majesty, and so much more of God if we will look to him. Anything else is not better. It's like the difference between the streetlights. You know, the streetlights at night, they come on, and they, they're really helpful. But when the sun comes up, they go out, don't they? Now, yes, there's an automatic switch because they're a waste of time. When the sun is in the sky, those streetlights do absolutely nothing. And that's what it's like with Jesus. Anything else is just a streetlight compared to the sun. Let's seek Jesus' face, the radiance of God's glory. That's why as a church we want to know Christ. Because that is to know the glory of God and to share in it. And I do want to say, at the moment we're doing that five by five by five. We've encouraged church members to join us in that. And we've just started Hebrews. It's not too late to start. Just jump in at Hebrews. And use that to be joining together as we're reminded that Jesus is better. You know what? What's wonderful about this, that Jesus is that final word, is that there's no surprises in heaven. We're not going to meet a different God. The Jesus we come to know is the God we will spend eternity with. But it's also, it helps us to remember that there's no difference between Jesus and God now. Jesus spoke of hell and heaven. He spoke of sin and salvation. 
of love and his lordship, of judgment and mercy. There's not two different gods, the loving Jesus and this other God. No. The Son is God's final word to us in a broken world. And with all the challenges that we face, he is the real hope because Jesus is better. Jesus is better in every way. So let's walk with him every day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we have your word. You have spoken to us, your people. And today we've been reminded that Jesus is better than anything else. No matter what we are facing and seeing on our, uh, about the news in this world or what's happening in our lives, even in the midst of a pandemic and the challenges that we face, we thank you that real hope, not a fairy tale, real hope is found in Jesus, who is better. He is the best revelation of you. And I pray that you'd help us to see the radiance of your glory in his face more and more, not just today, but through this series and to encourage each other in that. In Jesus' name. Amen.